0: I want to get right into the word in the book of Matthew chapter six. I'm going to read verse twenty five through verse thirty four. Matthew chapter six, verse twenty five through verse thirty four. The Bible reads us so in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to speak to you on uh, this simple subject here, Christ's cure for anxiety. Christ's cure for anxiety. I'm not going to take as long as I did in the first service. There's a a roast waiting on me. So I'm going to hurry up and hurry up. Amen. But, uh, But I do feel like God has a word for us would you help me to go before the lord and ask him to minister to us in this service thank you lord for your word for giving us instruction and the ability not just to read it but to also be changed i pray oh god that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight oh lord my strength and my redeemer and i pray oh god that you would Help us here today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated all over this building. If I could just have a little bit more monitor, if possible. Thank you. When we read through this text, um, I'll find that Jesus pleaded with his disciples, and he did it three times. And he said, do not worry. Another version says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. In verse 25, he says, don't worry about your life. In verse 31, he says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? And then in verse 34, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. So don't worry about your life. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothing. Don't worry about tomorrow. Verse uh, 25 I find that the tense in the Greek text is properly translated. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. But then as you get towards the end of the text that we read in verse 31, the Greek tense is a little different. Now, our English version just says, do not worry. But that that tense in the Greek should probably read, do not start worrying. Do not start worrying. So basically, Jesus bracketed this whole passage on anxiety with this meaning. If you're worrying, quit. And if you haven't started worrying, do not start now. Don't start now. When Jesus repeats himself multiple times in Scripture, more than likely it's because he's emphasizing a point. See, the Jews didn't have exclamation marks as we do uh, today. And so what they did to emphasize a point was they repeated themselves, repetition. In essence, what Jesus was telling his disciples here, his disciples, this point is very important. And I need you to pay very close attention to what I am saying. I have a feeling that Jesus spoke about anxiety the Holy Spirit inspired the gospel writers to write about it, not only to remind his first century followers about it, but also maybe because he anticipated that dreaded year called 2020. All of the anxieties that would come with that year and the subsequent years after that. During August 2020 through February 2021, the percentage of adults with symptoms of anxiety or some sort of depressive uh, order disorder increased from 1 in 10 to 4 in 10. So why is this topic so important to Jesus? Why does he bring this point up so repeatedly in this passage? Why does he want his disciples to take this topic so seriously? It would seem as though Jesus understands that as human beings, we are predisposed to anxiety and worry and panic and stress. As humans who have absolutely no access to our future, who do not know what tomorrow will bring, we will always struggle with anxiety. Anxiety to know that everything is going to be all right. Jesus knew that we would worry about our lives, our health, our jobs, our education, our basic needs, our relationships, our businesses, our families. Our, uh, there, there are so many more things to worry about, and it's all normal. Perhaps even today, many have come to this service battling against the spirit of worry and panic and anxiety. Anxiety over the raising of your children or a conflictive marriage or a job that is causing stress or you're worried about a court appearance or your romantic life or as they say in the uh, modern vernacular, a boo. Or you're worried about your grades or your mounting debt or the stress of living with a toxic family or for adult single people in this house you are also worried worried about finding that romantic partner so as to keep yourself from enrolling in a catholic convent for nuns you are also worried jesus understands these worries are normal in us So he reminds his disciples repeatedly and by way of implication, he reminds us here seated in these seats today. And he says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And yet my question is, why not, Jesus? Why shouldn't I feel anxious? You know, there are legitimate concerns in my life. So there had better be some good reasons for I for why I should not feel anxious. Well, Dr. Jesus responds here today and he tells me uh, I don't I, I, I'm I'm coming for you with a prescription to heal you from your anxiety. You don't have to call Dr. Phil anymore. You don't you don't have to go to Mrs. Cleo. You don't have to go to 1-900, call your psychic. You don't have to go consult your horoscopes. But I'm going to give you a prescription that is going to heal you from your anxiety. How many are ready to know what Christ's cure is for your anxiety? Well, number one, Jesus says the reason why you shouldn't feel anxious is because you are a spiritual and an eternal being and not merely a material and a natural being. And so he says you shouldn't feel anxious because you have so much life. I mean, eternity is a long time. You're worried about this little thing called life right now. And you feel like this is everything there is. But he's saying in light of eternity, this is just a little short little nothing. And so you shouldn't worry about this little nothing when you've got a whole eternity that you've got to deal with, right? Where do I see that, a? A couple of verses before we read our text, Jesus also said, just a couple of verses before, he said, "'Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there where you, will your heart be also.'" see if your treasure is on things of this earth your anxiety is going to kick up if your treasure is in things in heaven where moth and rust does not destroy and where thieves cannot break in and cannot steal then jesus says you're going to be all right amen you see the fundamental defense against your anxiety according to jesus is your immortality the fact that this world is not your home. You're just a pilgrim and a stranger here. Your citizenship is in heaven. Uh, the apostle Paul said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in me. Amen. There's future glory coming that you've never seen before. This world is not your home. You're not just a body living in life. You are a soul and an eternal spirit. Jesus just didn't come to give you life. He came to give you life everlasting. That's why he said, He that believes in me shall never pass away. He that believes in me shall never die. And so when your life is characterized by anxiety in this natural realm, all you're doing is expressing how much importance you give to a fleeting and a passing and a temporary world. You see, things have your utmost attention. Things have your utmost care. Things have your utmost importance. You value things. You value stuff more than an eternal soul should. Can I tell you, you can't take things with you. You've never seen a U-Haul truck behind a funeral procession. You know why? Because nobody has ever taken their things with him. You leave things behind. In this world, you're going to leave a whole lot of things behind. But what Jesus is saying is, you can have things, but don't let things have you. Don't let things control you. Don't let things control your emotions. Don't let things control your anxiety. You are a spiritual being you are an eternal being this is not your home your home is an eternal world far beyond what you're living right now so don't let things bog you down don't let things hold you down lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and rust does not destroy where thieves cannot break in and cannot steal Did not Jesus say, I say to you in Luke 12, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. And after that, they have no more that they can do. The worst thing that an enemy can do to you is kill your body. And Jesus said, don't worry about those who can kill the body. They've got nothing else they can do. That's all they can do. They can, they can ex you out of this life, but that's all they can do. They can't touch your spirit. They can't touch your soul. Uh, I'll show you whom you ought to fear. Fear him who after he has killed uh, has the power to cast you into hell. That's who you ought to fear because your eternity is more important uh, than what you're dealing with right now. Uh, There are things that are far more important than this body. Uh, It's your soul, uh, your spirit, uh, and your spiritual man. Uh, Amen. Uh, No wonder some of the first martyrs would cry out as they were being killed. Uh, They were being killed killed and they would cry out according to church history you can kill us but you can't harm us you can kill us but you can't harm us you know why because they understood like Paul said for me to live is Christ and to die it is gain they understood like Paul said that not even death can separate me from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ nothing no one can separate me from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ not even death not even death. Amen. I'm telling you, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Jesus said, you'll be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives, and friends. They'll put some of you to death. Do You hear that? He said, for following me, they're going to put some of you to death, but then you skip one verse and the next verse says, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. Not a hair on your head shall be lost. He said, they're going to kill some of you, but not a hair on your head shall be lost that's how christians talk that's how christians talk we ain't afraid of death amen even through this pandemic i'm telling you we got to come back to church y'all we've got to come back to church if you are a true bible believing christian I tell you something the greatest day that ever happened to me has yet to happen to me it's a day when i'm gonna see jesus face to face and if i've ever gotta die i'd rather die dancing before the lord if i'm gonna die which i am i'd rather die grabbing a hold of the horns of the altar if i've gotta die i'd rather die right here in the house of We're not afraid of death. We're not afraid of death. Death has lost its sting. Death has lost its victory. Death has lost it all. Not a hair on your head shall be lost. 10,000 years from now, you're not going to be worried about, look what that girl wrote about me on Facebook. And they tagged me on that picture. I told her I had ashy legs. Not to tag me in that picture. I look like a like I worked at a salt factory with these ashy legs. I'm going to tell you right now, 10,000 years from now, you're not going to be worried about these things. You're not going to be worried about Botox. You're not going to be worried about whether I got a man or not. You're not going to be worried about what your bank account looks like, uh, looks like what you got, what your whip look like, what your crib look like. None of these things are going to matter 10,000 years from now. I'm going to be fishing uh, in the sea of life. Amen. I'm going to be up there with a man. Nothing is going to matter. So why do you worry? another reason you shouldn't worry according to jesus it's because he's a bird feeder he is a bird feeder and that ought to excite you i look at the birds of the air verse 26 they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not of more value than they are you not of more value than they who to tell you right now you've got more value than a bird and there is a powerful inference you should take from all of that and that is that god is so in control of the universe so in control of the universe's daily activities that it can be said of him that he feeds the birds the god that should be you know in north korea and ukraine and russia and worrying about the big things in life that god has time to feed birds So every worm, every insect, every leftover French fry, it was left there so that God could feed the birds and take care of their nutrition. Listen, you've heard of birds die of a whole bunch of stuff, but I bet you've never heard of a bird die of hunger. You know why? Because God said he's going to feed the birds. He's going to feed the birds. Birds, they don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather in barns. You've never seen a bird hold food for tomorrow. No. You know what? But they're chirping every day. Even they don't, they don't know where their food is coming from. Amen. But they're chirping every day because they know that supernaturally God is going to bring food from somewhere. He's going to bring food from somewhere. So they're chirping every single day. I'm going to tell you, I don't know why birds, I know there's a scientific reason for why birds chirp but i i just choose to believe what my mom told me ever since i was a little boy she told me that when birds chirp that they are chirping their praise unto our god and so i grew up believing that every time a bird whistles a bird chirps they are praising amen, amen. she taught me a little song in spanish there's a little song anybody here speak spanish I've got nobody, amen I've got one, amen that speaks Spanish, there's a little song in Spanish, she taught me and it says, demos gracias al Señor, demos gracias demos gracias por su amor por las mañanas, las aves cantan, las alabanzas a nuestro Salvador, y tu hermano, porque no cantas, las alabanzas a Cristo the Lord. Let me tell you what that means. It means in the mornings the birds sing their praise unto their God. And so why don't you, my brother, lift up your voice and sing your praises unto your God. I'm telling you, if birds who don't sow, don't reap, and don't gather into barns are singing, then some of you ought to raise your voice and sing unto your God a powerful thought God is saying uh, if a bird uh, who only serves me involuntarily that is they don't have a choice in the matter by virtue of their existence they have to praise me they have to worship they have to serve me and if I feed a bird who only has an involuntary relationship to me how much more will I not feed you who has a choice in the matter you who woke up in this morning and could have went anywhere. But you made up in your mind. Uh, as for me and my house, uh, we're going to serve the Lord. Uh, you made up in your mind. Uh, I'm going to enter his gates with thanksgiving uh, and into his courts uh, with praise. Uh, you made up in your mind. Uh, as for me, uh, I'm going to worship my god amen he said if i feed birds who don't worship like you do how much more will i not take care of you how much more will i not shower you with blessings when anxiety starts mounting up in your life open up the windows of your apartment open up the windows of your condo open up the windows of your house stick your head out the window and listen for the birds if the birds are chirping If the birds are chirping, then you don't let the birds sing by themselves. Form a duo with the birds. Form a trio with the birds. And when you sing, go back to that old song. Why should I feel discouraged? And why should the shadows come? And why should my heart feel lonely and long for a heaven and a home when Jesus is my portion? A constant friend is here. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches over me when anxiety starts mounting up don't stop there go to the chorus I sing because I'm happy I sing because I'm free his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches over me amen 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 do you not know that you can cast your care upon him for he cares for you do you not know that the steps of a good men are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Do you not know what the psalmist said? I've been young and now I'm old but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Know his seed. Begging for bread. God is going to take care of you. If he takes care of birds, he's going to take care of you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Your anxiety is another reason Jesus says you shouldn't be anxious because your worry is absolutely worthless. Your worry is worth where I see that verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? In other words, there are things in life that you can't change. Like height. How many wish they could change their height? How many are lying? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I saw a couple of you that need to raise those hands. There's some things in life you can't change and he says those things like your stature worrying can add one cubit to your stature you know why because there's things in life you can't change all anxiety is is an emotion emotions don't fix problems they don't free people from jail they don't pay debts they don't heal a dying relative they don't bring back a, a loved one and they don't find a job for you and that's what jesus was saying you can't add a cubit to your stature if you worry in other words in the great scheme of things you can cry all night but in the morning the sick will still be sick the dead will still be dead and your electricity will still be gone Because your light bill is still unpaid because your bank account is still overdrawn because you got that new car you couldn't afford but that ain't none of my business in other words anxiety is absolutely fruitless Charles Spurgeon once said anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows It only empties today of its strength. Let me me explain that. Anxiety doesn't make tomorrow better. It just makes today worse. You know why? Because anxiety doesn't kill the problem. Your problem still going to exist. Anxiety doesn't kill the problem. It just kills the person. Anxiety doesn't kill the problem. It kills the person. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell you. You can't change your stature with your anxiety it will do nothing in the great scheme of things it doesn't amount to a great hill of beans if you're anxious so why are you anxious and there's another reason why you shouldn't feel anxious you know why because anxiety reveals something in you and that is a lack of faith in the providence of god where do i see that i see that in verse 30 and now if god so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven will he not much more clothe you oh you of little faith you hear what i'm saying he's saying those of you who struggle with worry you have little faith and without faith it is what impossible to please god impossible to please God. Can I tell you right now, you can fight with every atheist you want to and say you are a fool because you say in your heart there is no God. But I'm telling you, if you are anxious, if you are anxious, your anxiety makes you a functional atheist. Because although cognitively you are saying, I believe in God, I believe in God, I believe in God. Functionally, you're saying, I don't trust the God I believe in. You are confessing him with your lips, but you're not professing him with your actions. And he's saying, I don't care how much you want to sing up there, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. But if you're not living that out, amen, if you're not trusting that in your daily walk, you can sing it in church, but if you're not walking that in your daily walk, then you truly don't believe in me. Your anxiety proves there is little faith in God. I'm going to tell you right now, if I ever get home and my boys are waiting on me and they're going, dad, where are we going to live? What's going to happen with our future? What about our spouses and our education? Dad, are we going to survive? What about our, is there going to be a roof over our head? What are we going to eat? What's going to happen? You know what? All I'd have to do is take those dumb little rugrats and say, listen to me right now. Have I ever, have I ever failed you before? Look at my track record. Have I ever not put a roof over your head or put food on your table? Have I ever left you in a time of great turmoil? No. I'm going to tell you right now, I need a loan to feed those two dumb boys i need a loan you know why you could their world could be upside down and you'll never know it you know why they have total faith in the providence of their father they know if dad is around he's gonna take care of it if dad is around everything's gonna be all right if dad is around i'm gonna survive dad has never left us and that's how it ought to be when you face your heavenly father Has he ever failed you before? Has he ever messed up on you? Has he ever ignored? Has he ever turned his back? Oh no! He said I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's always been there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death David said I fear no evil for thou art with me. You are with me even in the valley of the shadow of There's another thing Jesus said, you shouldn't feel anxious. You know why? After all these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. See, God, the reason you should feel anxious is because God knows what you need. Not what you want, but what you need. tell you there's a whole lot of things you can fast about it all you want to you can daniel fast on things all you want to and the answer is still going to be no i know that's a little controversial but i've got bible it. the answer is still going to be no you can eat all the soy burgers you want to and the answer is still going to be no You know why? Because God is saying, I know what you want, but more importantly, I know what you need. I know what you need. There is some stuff you need that you didn't even know you needed. Amen. There's some stuff you've been praying about and God is saying, uh, -uh." no, the day that I heal you will be the first day towards your destruction. I'm not so much worried about your body. I'm worried about your soul. Have you ever had those type of people that God healed from cancer after I don't know how many much time? They were the first ones to get in and the last ones to leave while they were sick. You remember that? They were out here and at the altar every time and and laid out before the Lord and crying and weeping. And as soon as God healed them, where are they now? right and God is saying see i told you i know what you want but more importantly i know what you need god knows woo my man's just died I know what you need. I told that first service, I tell you, I don't think in this life that God can make me wealthy. Now I know, listen, if God makes you wealthy, praise the Lord, I will, I will rejoice with you and I will ask you for a couple dollars. But I'm, I'm gonna tell you, (laughs) let me hold a little something. (laughs) but, but, but I don't think in this life that God can make me wealthy. And now I add, I don't think just in case it is the Lord's will. Amen. So I'm just going to say, I don't think, amen. But you know, your will be done. I am your vessel. I'm going to tell you, and it's not because I don't ask God to make me wealthy. I do it every single day. Every single day I say, Lord, I'm coming to you as your humble servant and just asking that you would bless me so that I could build a temple. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, because the body does say that my body is the temple. I am trying to build this temple. But um I, I've I prayed many a times, Lord, just you know, no one has to know. Don't let the Pentecostal herald follow me around. Just just let me go to Las Vegas just one weekend. I got a plan, y'all. I prayed about this and I got a plan. I'ma go to Vegas, sit up on a slot machine, look around, make sure Pastor Myers is not looking. I know he'll be there, but I'm, I just don't want, I just don't want him looking. <laughs> Amen. I ain't going to get in your business. Don't get in mine. Amen. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to look around, make sure I got a plan because I'm going to bring out the olive oil from my bag. Amen. I'm going to anoint this slot machine in Jesus name. Woo, I got to pray for it and everything. And I've even asked the Lord to mute the little alarm that goes. Y'all know about that little alarm that goes off, right? Look at y'all nodding. Oh, amen. Amen. The devil is alive. You know why the Lord, I don't think the Lord can make me wealthy. And I'm I'm kidding about all that. But you know why I, I don't think? Because if you ever open up this heart and would see the type of vanity and materialism that abides in this heart, the day I sniff that kind of money, it will be the first day towards my destruction. You would never ever see me here again. And if you did, I'm bringing my lime green Lamborghini with butterfly doors that open up like the glory of God. And I'm coming out in a pink suede suit with red crocodile skin shoes. And I'm I'm parking my Lamborghini in the foyer because I want everybody to see what the man of God is driving. Right now, with what this man of God is driving, I park in Orlando. To come preach, I park in Orlando. I don't want anybody to see what the man of God is driving. Amen. Ushers were like, man of God, how did you get here? Chariots of fire, brother. Chariots of fire. (laughs) Amen. Don't worry about it. Don't be looking. Amen. But if I ever get that Lamborghini, you better believe it. I am parking in pastor spots. <laughs> and I'm going to hire my own mariachi with their stretchy pants to come escort me all the way to the platform. That's how I'm going to get to this place. So everybody could see and y'all think I'm playing. I'm going to live in Aruba. Side with a 28 room mansion and a heliport on top and a bowling alley down in the basement. And I'm gonna be out in that beach in silk capris. Capris for holiness sake. I don't want women lusting after my knees. Ah. Y'all laugh, but you've never seen my knees. Now, listen, the reason I'm telling you this is because I need you to know that that's the probably the reason why the Lord hasn't given me that type of wealth. It's not because I don't want it. I want it. I want it. I want it more than my boys. If I could get some wealth, I will sell you a couple of my children. And I only got a couple. Amen. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's because I don't need it. There's some things you've been praying about that God keeps saying, no, 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 no. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So no. And the answer is still no. Not because you don't want it. It's because I know what you need. So Paul tells you in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. That's your answer. Thank you for the valley. Thank you for the mountaintop. Thank you wherever I find myself. Thank you for this is the will of God concerning me in Christ Jesus. That I am thankful in the midst of everything. You know what I need. And lastly, why shouldn't I feel anxious? I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't feel anxious. Because... After all these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He called him Father. Father. You know why you shouldn't feel anxious? Because you are not an orphan. You have a Father. I remember growing up, I grew up in the boogie down Bronx, Bronx, New York. And I grew up in the Bronx when it was, uh whoo, you know, the Bronx is, well, it's it's kind of regressing again. But uh, for a time there, the Bronx was was, was getting a little better. Uh, but when I grew up in the South Bronx, not just any part of the Bronx, the South Bronx, the South, South Bronx, uh, I grew up in the South Bronx, in the very decade where and let me tell you something about the South Bronx the South Bronx is where rap music comes from so all this hip hop and rap and all that stuff it was it was done right I mean just several blocks from where I live this where all of this was created in the South Bronx in the very decade where all this was created that's when I grew up uh the the South Bronx that's where you get uh beatbox and b-boys you know remember the boogie uh, well anyway y'all 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 are not y'all are not about that life but uh that's south bronx south Bronx, south bronx that's where you get uh graffiti got its uh revival in the south bronx south bronx that's where yo mama jokes started You'll, don't you ever step up on me with your mama jokes. I got you. I got your mama. Oh, let me tell this one. I told it in the in the video. Your, your mama's eyes are so crooked that when she cries, the tears run down her back. They call her bacteria. (laughs) Woo. Oh, man. Anyway, anyway, we're at the house of God. Y'all control yourselves. So that's, that's where I grew up. Now, the building that I grew up in, uh, you didn't have to leave my building to find any evil you wanted. And it went by floors. The first floor is all drugs. The second floor, prostitution. So if your husband came out of a second floor apartment, he wasn't there uh, for sugar, you know. Or maybe he was. <laughs> anyway, so uh, <laughs> so that's, that's just kind of how it went. So um, I would play ball. Every single day after school, I'd go to the park that was right behind our building, and it was surrounded by buildings. That little court was surrounded by buildings, and that's where we grew up. We played ball there every single day. So on this particular day, I was playing. All my friends just left abruptly. I had never seen them leave like that, but they all left abruptly. And I, since it was my ball, I thought, yeah, I'm just going to shoot around and, and just wait until other people show up. And I was shooting around, and then I realized why they left, because a group of about 15 to 20 dudes came into the park that I had never seen before. They asked if they could play, and I said, sure. So we began to play. And the more we played, the more I realized, "Oh, well, these dudes aren't here to play. They're here to cause trouble. I didn't know it at the time, but um, this was a neighboring gang from a neighboring town and they had come in to cause trouble. They were initiating some of their members and they were, I don't know what they were trying to do, but uh, they were looking for somebody uh, to to uh, cause trouble with. And so I guess they had picked me. So the more we played, the more violent the game got and it was all against me. And I thought, man, I, I need to get out of here. So I remember grabbing my ball I grabbed my backpack and I said I'm out but they wouldn't let me leave they all surrounded me they also grabbed their bags and out of their bags I saw things I had never seen before machetes and brass knuckles and daggers and I mean stuff I had never seen before just weapons and stuff came out of their bags and I knew on that very day that I was going to die I was going to get killed now all in my building there was a lady that lived on the sixth floor and all the drug dealers had contracted her she had a corner apartment so they had contracted her to be the lookout for the neighborhood and because she was so high up and she had a corner apartment she could look in all four directions out of both sides of the building and so um, this woman did not sleep nor slumber she was out every single day every night you went home at three in the morning she was out by the window You came out 7 in the morning to go home, to go to school. She was out by the window. And she was out every. I don't think she ate. I don't think she went to the restroom. I don't think she ever took a break because she was out there day. That was her life. And as kids, we absolutely hated her. And I'm going to tell you why. Because she wasn't just looking out for cops. She was out there. And because she was out there day and night, she knew Everybody. Everybody, everybody goes beyond everybody. There's everybody, then there's everybody. You know, she knew everybody, everybody's name. She knew you, uh, she, and then, and then the reason we didn't like her is because she would tell on us, you know, hey, your son did such and such a thing at such and such a time with such and such a person at such and such a place. And we would, we would absolutely dislike this woman. But on this particular day, I absolutely loved this woman she became my auntie on that particular day um because she saw me from afar. Nobody was willing to do anything, but she saw me. And when she saw me by, I don't know, by providence, by way of providence, my father, who was a bivocational minister, full-time pastor, but he was also a full-time auto mechanic and ran a shop just a couple of miles from where we lived. My dad just so happened to be working uh, out, at, not at the shop. I had never seen my dad miss work before, but he was not at the shop on that day on that particular day he just so happened to be working out on the street and they were doing something big because on my way back it it was on a crane so it must have been either a transmission or an engine of some sort and they were switching it right on the street and he wasn't by himself he had friends with him which is which is very important I didn't even know my dad had friends not only were there any friends, they were unsaved friends. Unsaved friends, which I'm going to tell you right now, on that particular day, oh Lord, I pray that you save them and save their families, I pray. But on that particular day, the fact that they were unsaved was such a blessing. Because the last thing you want is a little brother from your church coming into this park. Like, I could do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? Nah, Negro, I need a thug right now to come all up in this park. I got machetes on my neck. Right? (laughs) Oh, Lord, I'm never coming back. Anyway. So, so this woman was out on the say she screamed at my dad and said, "Hey, if you don't hurry, your son is about to get killed." So, all of a sudden my anxiety is kicking up. I think I'm going to die. I am trembling. My knees are knocking. I'm out. When all of a sudden I heard something from afar, and this is what I heard. Now, that may not mean much to you, but that to me felt like a cold Coca Cola in a hot summer day. And by Coca Cola, I mean McDonald's Coca Cola. I mean, it's not the same. I'm gonna tell you right now, it is not. Whatever they put in that McDonald's Coca Cola was made in the first floor of my building why. Oh, bless them. Woo. I'm gonna tell y'all right now. I know why y'all keep going to McDonald's. And so and so this is the deal. So I was I was out there and uh, I heard this whistle and I looked Back. that was my daddy's whistle that's the whistle I would hear i didn't grow up with a television y'all, so that's the whistle that I would hear when I was in the electronic section at Sears ha <laughs> My dad he man i've been in a desert for so long with no TV, and my dad would take me to Sears, and all I could do was. <sighs> There's stuff moving in this box. A light of heaven. I don't know what's going on. So uh, that, that was me at the Sears. And then it was time to go and I'd hear my daddy's whistle. That was my daddy's whistle. I remember looking back and this man didn't even have the decency to go through the park door. He was climbing up the fence amen. And uh, these dudes had machetes and daggers and what have you. My dad, I think he had a, a screwdriver in his hand, uh, but I, I looked at his face and I said, Ooh, somebody's about to get screwed drove to death the man looked like a pit bull on cocaine he was climbing that thing like a black spider man and I'm going to tell you right now (laughs) he had unsaved friends coming with him and these friends one of them could eat about six of these kids and I'm going to tell you they were unsaved saying things that I could not say from this sacred pulpit and I was so thankful for all of it amen I was just like yeah that's the type of people you need amen At this time a great need God knows who he sends out amen pants sagging with these Tim's coming all up I was like "Yep, yeah, that's exactly what I need right now we're going to baptize you after this but not before. Amen. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was at that moment, it was at that moment, I could almost hear the voice of heaven saying, hey, Luami Diaz. Yes, Lord, I'm I'm a little busy right now. There's machetes on my neck. I'm going to see you soon, actually. You should not feel anxious. What do you mean I shouldn't feel anxious? You know there are legitimate circumstances surrounding me right now that are making me anxious. But you should not feel anxious. Why should I not feel anxious? Because you are not an orphan. You have a dad when all of your friends decide they're going to leave the park and leave you all by yourself to face danger, you have a father that says, well, that is my son. That's my blood. He bears my name. That's my responsibility. Son, if I've got to die in the process, I'll die on your behalf. You'll be set free, but I'll die defending you. You are my child. And if you're my child, I'll take care of you. I'm telling you right now, somebody came in here with anxiety, but the Holy Ghost brought me here to tell you something. On, Open up your eyes. He's sweating. there's a father in heaven that says you are my son. I'll take care of you. I take care of birds. How much more will I not take care of you? Come on, lift your hands all over this building right now lift your hands all over this building right now (laughs) I said I'll never leave you nor forsake you I said I'd be right there I said I'd care for you look at my track record don't you ever forget any of my benefits I've been with you through thick and thin. I've been with you through the mountain and the valley low. I've been with you in abundance. And I've been with you in scarcity. I've been with you when everything was lacking. I've been with you all this time. Don't you ever doubt that I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. This morning I'm opening up this altar. I wonder in this place, I want everybody to come if you can, but if not, I, I, I'd like to see some people who are dealing with the spirit of anxiety and fear and stress and panic. I want you all to come first. want to pray over you. i won't to pray over you. You don't have to feel embarrassed. We all go through this from time to time, but I, I want God to really, really minister to you, those who are feeling the spirit of anxiety, anxiety over some stuff that you can't handle you can't deal with you stuff beyond your control i want you to come down i won't pray over you there's a there's a stronghold over your mind and over your spirit and it's trying to control you fear is trying to control you at this moment over your health over your relationship over your schooling over your future family situations whatever it may be but something is getting a hold of your mind and your heart and You've got fear written all over you and panic and stress, but God brought me here to tell you that he's gonna cure your anxiety. He cares for those that he loves more than birds. He cares for you. All over this building, would you help me to raise your voices, raise your hands, go before your father in heaven, saying, God, you know who I am. You know me by name. You've got every hair on my head counted, So I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust in you all over this building. Come on. Come on. Cry out to the Lord. Lord, heal us from our anxiety. Heal us from our anxiety. Heal us from our anxious moments. We give it to you, Jesus. We trust fully in your will. We're not just material beings. We are eternal beings. Oh, God, we're going to trust that you have it all under control, that you know be my name.
1: The